0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Filato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nicholas Filato, and ladies and gentlemen, we are in the dead of the dead of the offseason right now, post mini camp in between training camp. Although we can go through mini camp a little bit, I want to bring up. Some other stories that are going around the NFL earlier this week. The big news was Julio Jones being traded to the Tennessee Titans where he's going to wear the number two jersey. No more beautiful Julio in the number 11 jersey. And I wrote about this at Big Blue View. And you know what? This just provides the Tennessee Titans with yet another unique weapon because A.J. Brown going into his third season being that size with that speed and that physicality and that route running ability when he was drafted out of Ole Miss remember he was the second fiddle to D.K. Metcalf drafted in the same year I mean now you have these two huge wide receivers on the outside which is completely necessary for the Tennessee Titans because they had somewhat of a dearth of talent at the wide receiver position behind A.J. Brown. And you look around this division, too, you thought the Colts were probably going to be this team that can really secure it with the Jaguars kind of coming up, the Texans being probably the worst team, worst roster in the NFL. And the Titans, the Colts seem to be fighting for the best team And now the Titans kind of inch a little bit closer. You have Julio Jones, A.J. Brown. They brought in Josh Reynolds from the Rams, and he's probably going to operate the slot as a big slot type of guy in 11 personnel packages, and they also drafted Dez Fitzpatrick out of Louisville in the fourth round. But you combine those two wide receivers now with this premier rushing attack that Todd Downing is more than likely going to implement with this offense because, remember, Arthur Smith, Ironically enough, accepted the head coaching job of the Atlanta Falcons. He was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans last year, but we still expect a run-centric approach with Derrick Henry, one of the best running backs in the league, with Ryan Tannehill operating the play-action pass, hitting those tight ends, and then finding A.J. Brown down the field, and now Julio Jones. So I think this is going to be a really, really fun offense to watch. A.J. Brown will be dawning that 11. Julio will be dawning that number two jersey as i said earlier and then as for the atlanta falcons i mean it was very apparent they had to trade julio jones julio jones whether he knew it or not it seemed like he didn't know it went live with shannon sharp on undisputed for from fs1 and said yeah i'm out of there when he was asked about the atlanta falcons he didn't want to be on the atlanta falcons anymore and everyone kind of accepted the fact that he was going to be moving on so during the draft with the fourth overall selection. The Atlanta Falcons, Terry Fontenot, didn't necessarily like the trade compensation, so they just sat tight and selected Kyle Pitts. We know that Arthur Smith loves to run 12, 13 personnel, and Kyle Pitts is good enough, athletic enough, big enough, whatever adjective you want to assign to him, enough to play the wide receiver position. So you have this versatile type of guy who's going to give you his all as a blocker. That's not necessarily his strength, but if you want to use him as an X receiver, like you did with Julio Jones, you can. So they selected Kyle Pitts, and I think they knew at that point that they were going to try to find a trade partner for Julio Jones. And guess what? They ended up finding a trade partner for Julio Jones, and they ended up getting a second-round pick in return, a fourth-round pick as well, and they sent a six-round selection to the Tennessee Titans. And look, Julio Jones, he's in his early 30s right now. I believe he's 31, going on 32 Uh, I think in January, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have that in front of me at the moment. But he's a seven-time Pro Bowler, one of the best receivers in the league. Yes, he's been dinged up with injuries. He was injured a little bit last year. And during that time, Calvin Ridley, who we'll get into in a little bit, thrived with Matt Ryan in a different offense. But still, Calvin Ridley is a stud in his own right. But now Julio Jones, he was able to... Go to the Tennessee Titans. I think this is a mutually beneficial trade, to be honest, just because Jones kind of gave all the leverage away from the Atlanta Falcons because everybody knew that he did not want to be there. He probably wasn't going to play there. His salary cap counts $15.3 million against the salary this season for whatever team he was on. So that now gets transferred to the Tennessee Titans. Dead cap is not that huge of a deal. This gives the Falcons the salary cap they need to sign their Draftees from this season. So it's mutually beneficial because, yes, Julio Jones, he's one of the best players to ever play for the Atlanta Falcons. You would like for him to garner a first round pick, but leverage wasn't there at that point. So you were still able to get a two, you were able to get a four, you send a six and Tennessee gets their stud and now Atlanta can kind of turn the page sign their draftees you would like to get more but honestly it's the end of a great chapter for the Atlanta Falcons for Julio Jones and now it's time for Calvin Ridley and these young receivers like Olamade Zaccheaus Christian Blake They signed Cordero Patterson, they drafted Frank Darby, they also brought in Antonio Nunn and Austin Trammell to be undrafted free agents, and they also brought in Tajay Sharp, who used to be with the Tennessee Titans a few years back, to pair with Russell Gage, who is also a huge winner in this trade. Russell Gage is a versatile type of receiver who typically aligns in the slot but can bounce outside and play a Z type of role every now and again. Russell Gage I mean he's really going to have a lot on his plate in training camp more than likely and looking like he's going to be the leader of this receiving core with a young Kyle Pitts who like I said is a tight end but he can operate as a receiver and Calvin Ridley who just going to have surgery he's going to miss mini camp because he's undergoing foot surgery it's not 100% certain that he's going to be back for training camp but it doesn't look too bad because it's very very minor foot surgery according to Dr. Robert Anderson it's just a little bit of a cleanup so he's fully ready and healthy for the start of the NFL season. But that's going to open up reps in minicamp, but more importantly, possibly in training camp for some of these younger receivers like Zacchaeus, like Christian Blake, Russell Gage. He's already going to be established more than likely as that number two receiver, unless Zacchaeus, who had flashed last year, he flashed a little bit, and then Frank Darby, who's a rookie, going to be coming in there. So both of these teams going through some changes right now it's going to be weird to see julio jones in a tennessee titans jersey on the football team especially watching somebody who's of comparable size aj brown wearing the number 11 jersey and dominating opposite of him but best of luck to the afc south defensive backs have to guard those guys twice a year because those are just two absolute studs at receiver and you have to worry about derrick henry somebody who is incredibly dangerous when rushing the football And other news, too, just to talk about movement in the league, because you have two premier quarterback talents who seem like they could be on the move, and one team in particular is really linked to both of these guys, and that is Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson being linked to the Denver Broncos. Now, I don't want this to happen. Everyone listening to this, if you're Giant fans, shouldn't want this to happen, because week one, the Giants play the Denver Broncos. And the Giants got a little bit lucky. They play the Atlanta Falcons early in the year, and now they don't have to worry about Julio Jones since he's traded to the Tennessee Titans. But if Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers ends up with Denver, that's not great for that opening game at MetLife Stadium. And honestly, I'm not 100% certain what's going on with Deshaun Watson right now. That legal process is just slowly kind of unwinding. There's nothing certain. I'm not 100% sure if he'll ever take a snap again as a Houston Texan because he didn't want to be there before all this legal stuff ended up kind of coming about but I bring this up because on June 9th Kareem Jackson his former teammate and who is now with the Denver Broncos says that Deshaun Watson wants to be traded to the Denver Broncos now can that end up happening I'm not sure but I find it very interesting Because we look at the Denver Broncos roster, and we see that they have Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, two guys that do not inspire a lot of hope right now. Yes, Drew Locke is a young player. Teddy Bridgewater is more of a quote-unquote game manager, even though I don't like using that term. Here I am being hypocrite in using it. But Drew Locke has shown glimpses of a big arm, but he's shown glimpses of a lot of being mistake-prone, I guess I should say, making really, really poor decisions and not trusting his reads, and then... Just turning the football over so if you were able to land a top 10 quarterback on this denver broncos roster with vic fangio who's an excellent defensive mind but is on the hot seat right now i can see why fangio would love to do that it makes a lot of sense it would make that team a super bowl contender possibly in a division that is going to be very very hard to win football games with the kansas city chiefs there and then you also have the i would say Los Angeles Chargers who are definitely on the up and then the Raiders they're a little bit more of an enigma of a team. But if the Denver Broncos can get Watson or get Aaron Rodgers, it's not going to be great news for the New York Giants in week one. But just because Kareem Jackson's coming out and saying that Deshaun Watson may or wants to end up there, I think that's notable news because we also know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers right now. Now, Aaron Rodgers is not happy with the Green Bay Packers. Doesn't seem like he intends to report to camp with the Green Bay Packers. And Jordan Love, he's the next guy up. We all know that in 2020, Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, and Matt LaFleur, the head coach, traded up for Jordan Love in the first round and didn't let Aaron Rodgers know. And Aaron Rodgers felt incredibly disrespected and subsequently had an MVP season the next year. And he's now off with Miles Teller, hanging out, just living his life. And it leaves a lot of these questions. What's going on with Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to actually be there? Will he end up reporting? And there's just a lot of uncertainty with that situation. And reportedly... Love took every first-team snap at OTAs, which is not necessarily an accustomed thing. He was throwing to Devontae Adams, Allen Lazard, Robert Tanyan, who got a new contract, Marquez Valdez, Scantlin, Aaron Jones. But the kid has to get caught up with this entire offense, which is not necessarily a certainty. I mean, he... I don't even know if he dressed once last year. Tim Boyle ended up being that number two wide receiver and Love spent his entire rookie season as that number three. And I don't know if they dressed three quarterbacks over there with the Green Bay Packers. So this is an entire situation that we have to wait and see how it plays out. This could be a disaster for kuntz and the Green Bay Packers if Love doesn't end up panning out and Aaron Rodgers just walks out the door and fo- forces their hand to trade them. I mean, that could be a horrendous type of situation but before we get into the rest of the news and notes just from this week and just from recently and maybe we'll touch on the giants a little bit let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Since we brought up Kareem Jackson before as Deshaun Watson's former teammate who plays cornerback, I might as well just say that Jonathan Joseph, a former Houston Texans, former Cincinnati Bengals, also made headlines by announcing his retirement after 15 years in the season. Jonathan Joseph was always a hard hitter, a uh, pretty darn good player as well, so good for him to finally hang up his cleats. Hopefully he's happy with whatever's going on in his life. There's also a bunch of rookies being signed. I'm not going to go through all of them, but the one that was most recent that made headlines was Justin Fields. He signed his rookie contract, four years, $18.8 million deal with an $11 million signing bonus all right let's get into something Giants related and that's Saquon Barkley he offers no timetable right now for return now should this concern people there is an uncertainty here as well but I don't expect a Joe Judge coached player to come out and start declaring that he's going to be available especially coming off a serious injury like a torn ACL and there was other structural damage done to the knee. Remember, this injury happened on September 20th against the Chicago Bears in week two. And he didn't have his surgery until October 30th. They had to wait for some swelling to come down. And they had to ensure that the knee was okay to be operated on with all of that swelling down. So it took a while for him to even go under the knife. And I find this interesting because I was watching GMFB this morning with Kay Adams, Nate Burleson, Kyle Brandt and peter Schreger, and they brought on james bradbury and they were asking james bradbury just about the team in general james bradbury you know very personable individual but they asked him about saquon barkley and bradbury started by saying oh man he's gonna come back and he's going to be himself and then he said wait let me correct myself and this isn't a direct quote but he said, wait, let me correct myself. There are There is no timetable. And he quickly kind of retracted the fact that he was about to say that Barkley is going to be a beast. And he wanted to speak highly of his boy, Saquon Barkley. But he did retract that. And that's just a Joe judgean esque type of thing. Don't speak on the injuries. Let the process play out. We don't know what setbacks are going to end up materializing or what is going to happen. But I'm not sure if Barkley is going to be 100% ready for training camp. I mean, I'm leaning towards it's going to be unlikely that it will be 100% ready. I think they'll ingratiate him back in. He may get some training camp snaps. I don't know if they're going to use him at all in preseason. And then week one, I think it's going to be more of a split backfield. And I don't really have much to base this off of, but they're being very, very conservative with Barkley getting him back onto the field. And they should be, to be honest. It's all about one day at a time, and Barkley even said to Ralph Falciano of SNY, it's going to be whenever my body tells me I'm ready, so he's trusting that. This is a young man, an incredible athlete, and honestly, I just want to see him back on the football field because he had that high ankle sprain. Then played through it for 13 games in 2019 and then he missed 14 games 14 and a half games we want to be direct with that ACL tear last year and I mean Saquon Barkley in 2018 that rookie of the year season he was phenomenal now, you add Kenny Galladay and you add Kyle Rudolph and you add Kadarius Toney, Daniel Jones in his third year instead of his first and second, an offensive line that hopefully is going to be able to kind of put it all together and be much more efficient and much more cohesive than they were last year. And I think Barkley can help all of that. But I mean, the road to recovery has not yet been established. He has not gotten to the recovery portion of this. He's taking that one day at a time and We just all hope that he will be ready come week one and we can see that Saquon Barkley that we all fell in love with. But I just thought it was interesting that he ended up saying that and then James Bradbury kind of spoke highly and then walked it back. And that just goes to show you that uh, they don't want to set any expectations for him just in case if he is not ready. Just let this be on the player and then we'll see what ends up happening. Another thing that I thought was somewhat interesting was... Russell Wilson came out and he approached a microphone for the first time in months, really. And he said, I never wanted or requested a trade from the Seattle Seahawks. I'm fully bought into everything that we're doing here and I'm here to win. And I really just wanted to bring that up because we did podcasts on Russell Wilson and Mr. Unlimited actually possibly leaving the Seattle Seahawks. So I just wanted to clarify that. seems like he never really wanted to leave at all. Hmm. Isn't that funny? And then we just had training camp. There's a lot to take away. And I know Ed Valentine, Joe DeLeon, Chris Flum have been covering that extensively on the website, as well as myself, Emily, Ryan, and Joe. And then also on the podcast and mini camp, there isn't as much to glean as there is from something like training camp when there are hits and the trenches can really play up against each other. That's where we see tensions really, really fly, people getting into each other's faces. And this mini camp is a little bit more of a uh, glorified walkthrough, but you can get to see some play formations. You can see some players being utilized in certain ways, like we saw Kadarius Tony being utilized as a punt returner with Thomas McGahee, among others as well. There were some good questions asked by Pat Trana about maybe that riley dixon suffered last year because there wasn't the gunner continuity because of some of the injuries that ended up happening to the gunners on punt returns now i don't know if that's fully the reason why because it seemed like riley dixon just struggled to pin the ball where he needed to it was more of an accuracy issue and he's going to have to clear that up with the amount of money that's count against the cap for a punter that's struggling It's something that he's going to have to clear up in the early stages of the year certain in my opinion but i thought they were just good questions some good questions by some of the reporters on the beat to some of these coaches didn't get as much from the jason garrett interview as i would have liked to he said he wanted to clean up the turnovers which i mean the giants turned the football over i I want to say less. I know Daniel Jones fumbled it a lot less. He fumbled it, I want to say, 11 times last year as opposed to 18 times. But the offense in general was just not explosive. It did not maximize yards after catch. It was very, very unimaginative. A lot of 12, 13 personnel, not maximizing space. And you know what? I like 12 and 13 personnel in the right context, but you got to get more creative. you got to use more pre-snap motion. And I feel like Garrett did not do that last year. And I really, really hope that he... Make some changes to his offense with Freddie Kitchens now in that more advisory role. And he doesn't necessarily have a position group, he's not the tight ends coach. That's Derek Dooley now. So now he can focus on just the overall philosophy of the offense. But how much is that going to impact the offense? That's something to see. Obviously, the personnel was upgraded this year, and that's going to be gigantic. But I do wish we got a little bit more from that Jason Garrett interview. And then Patrick Graham, he spoke highly about the usage of man coverage and how you have to use man coverage he says but you need to play Man-to-man coverage in this league, period, point blank, and obviously six wins last year. We didn't do enough on defense, so the hell with that. We are looking at all options, whether it's the blitz more, blitz less, play less zone, play more man. We need a whole lot of options because six wins isn't going to cut it. And guess what, Patrick Graham? We all agree. (laughs) We all agree. We would like to see more than six wins, and if man coverage is going to do that, you now have the personnel to allow that to happen because let's look back on that Pittsburgh Steelers game. We saw Patrick Graham run a little bit more man coverage, but that number two wide receiver spot opposite of James Bradbury was a liability. And it was Isaac Yadam out there. We put Ryan Lewis out there at some points. It was always a liability. And when you have a liability on defense, offensive coordinators and quarterbacks are going to circle it and target it. But now you add a Dory Jackson, you add Aaron Robinson, you get Xavier McKinney back healthy. You still have James Bradbury. There should be more man coverage concepts. It's a good problem to have all this depth in the secondary. And I love love to see it and he also spoke highly of leonard williams his football character his off the field character and just this successful nature that he wants to embody as a new york giant while maintaining this humble california cool type of personality i i liked i liked patrick graham's interview he spoke also glowingly of ifedi odenabo and just his personality and, and he also joked about how odenabo how patrick graham told O'Denebo that he wasn't Uh, where was his intensity and Odenabo shoved him in a playful manner and Patrick Graham said yeah I, I, I felt that shove so I thought there were some good things to take away from that also expounded upon Aziz Ojolari and how he's going to have a leg up in this giant system because the terminology is familiar to what he did at Georgia. And there's also coaches on this staff with the New York giants that are familiar with Aziz Ojolari. And he just said he has to keep his pad level down, but he could, he really should have a bright future. So, I mean, it's a lot of the things that a lot of us have saw on tape with Aziz Ojolari. And I really think he could be in for a pretty pretty impactful rookie season as an edge rusher in this system because he can defend the run he can rush the passer has one really good go-to move but can develop other moves as well so there were just little things to take away I know like I said earlier a lot of my colleagues went over all that but I just wanted to touch on minicamp and I'm really looking forward to training camp I mean we have weeks until that and we're entering the dead of dead periods as I said so we'll be talking about the roster and we'll be doing some summer school type of articles on the website as well but this was Falato on football i hope you enjoyed this brief episode on what's going on in the nfl and some giants mini camp talk i am the host nicholas Falato. please please download these podcasts review these podcasts and let us know what you think about all of this we really appreciate you guys tuning in here and also stay safe have a great one everyone